Well, as everyone who's been following the news knows quite well, the mainstream establishment is in complete meltdown after Donald Trump announced that he was pulling U.S. troops out of northeastern Syria uh, over the last week, and this coincided with a, a Turkish invasion of northeastern Syria, ostensibly to stamp out the threat by Kurdish militias, YPG, uh, PKK, according to the Turkish authorities, are terrorist and terrorist-linked organizations, and those are the main bulk of the Syrian Democratic Forces, which have been backed by the United States. Needless to say, Mike, this is extremely complicated and a complex affair, and uh, we'll try to show you a few important points to take away right now in this segment. As, as a kind of uh, retaliation, uh, there's been a lot of pressure on Donald Trump. The uh, president himself has now come under fire uh, from both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, for his move. And so he's uh, applied sanctions, threatened sanctions against President Erdogan in Turkey uh, for their aggression uh, in northeastern Syria, hitting uh, U.S. allies or former, former U.S. backed allies, the, uh, the Kurdish, various Kurdish factions in northeastern Syria. Um, uh well, one thing I was going to ask you was, do you see this as Donald Trump finally putting his mark on the ground, saying no more with respect to the, the U.S. deep state and their sort of regime change operations? I think what he is trying to do clearly is to make good on his campaign promises, which was to bring U.S. troops home, unnecessarily deployed troops in the Middle East, and to undo so-called endless wars of the previous administrations. So coming into the 2020 election cycle, this is something clearly the president is wanting to do, make good on those promises to the American people, because that did so well to uh, uh, clear a path for him to the White House in 2016. I think he's hoping to replicate and to uh, cultivate some of that goodwill that uh, helped him win in 2016. The problem is uh, the U.S. is tied into knots in terms of their involvement uh, in Syria, both this involvement, this illegal occupation by U.S. troops in northeastern mm -hmm. Syria, but also their backing of various proxies in Syria, effectively fighting a proxy war yeah. for the last eight years. And I'll go through some of the, the details of that as well. I think what, you, what you're looking at here, Mike, and I know you, the next clip will illustrate this very well, uh, the narrative in the United States and the Western press is that uh, the U.S. needs to be there to prevent uh, a Turkish massacre of the Kurds right? or a, a Turkish genocide. You'll see this word has been used as well in mainstream media circles. So there's a, a potential genocide. And what we found from our research, Mike, and of course I just got back from uh, the Middle East this past week on the ground uh, from Beirut, and what I understood uh, is this is completely overblown, this threat of a, of a, of a Kurdish uh, genocide. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is one of the, the fear tactics that's being used to keep, a, try to keep U.S. assets into Syria because the U.S. deep state does not want to uh, relinquish all of its footholds uh, in that country, uh, but also to put pressure on President Trump. So you're right, there, there is a kind of a deep state, permanent state, security state, intelligence state uh, versus Donald Trump's policy on this issue. That's clear. Okay, well, we're going to have a little uh, look at a piece of video now from ABC. Now, for people in the UK that maybe don't know, it's, I mean, most people assume that CNN is the equivalent of the BBC, but so what? where does ABC sit in the, in the media picture in the United States? Well, in terms of broadcast, traditional broadcast networks, 
ABC is one of the big three. So this would be the equivalent in the UK. You have the BBC, ITV, Channel 4. Those right. are your big three broadcasters traditionally on television. In America, it's ABC, CBS, NBC. Those are the traditional big three uh, broadcasters in the United States. And then now you have the cable news networks, CNN, Fox, uh, and a few others to make up that sort of elite mainstream media. Okay, so have a look at this. We've got uh, a little clip here of two or three separate reports from on the same issue from ABC. So have a look at this. This video obtained by ABC News appears to show the fury of the Turkish attack on the border town of Tel Aviv. Yes, a border town bombarded by Turkey's military. This video right here appearing to show Turkey's military bombing Kurd civilians in a Syrian border town. The Kurds who fought alongside the U.S. Okay, so that couldn't really be clearer. Patrick, they are presenting that footage as being something which was taken in Syria, uh, an attack on the Kurds by the Turks. Uh, but and, that, and that feeds very nicely into the, 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 the narrative of a, a Turkish massacre of the Kurds, right? It works. It's very effective, isn't uh, it? Absolutely. But unfortunately, ABC has been forced to apologize for that piece of video footage, which as we just said, didn't appear in only one uh, ABC report. It appeared in multiple APC, ABC news reports. So they clearly had plenty of opportunity to verify it. They clearly haven't verified it. Uh, ABC apologizes for showing video from US gun range in report on Syria. Um, and so uh, how has this happened? This is a good question, Mike. Who, who again, the, the big question is who supplied the footage? Who is responsible for labeling that footage as coming from Syria, coming from the Turkish-Syrian border, and handing it to whoever was head product producer at the news desk. And this is a major national network, so this isn't the sort of thing that you can just kind of make a mistake mm. uh, doing, oh, we filed it the wrong, in the wrong place. Mm. No. I believe this was intentional, and I believe that they weren't intending for this to be caught out. And I think, uh, really, this was the public probably who uh, probably brought this to the attention. Yes, yeah, so, so it was a of number of people on social media noted on Monday that the clip strongly resembled a video uploaded to YouTube on April in April 2017. The title Knob Creek Night Shoot 2017 referred to an evening machine gun event uh, by the Knob Creek gun, gun Range in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And that has uh, that has been confirmed now. So ABC has issued this apology but it really shouldn't have happened in the first place. Before social media, Mike, before people could trace videos, what would have happened when this report was aired after 20 years ago, mm. 30 years ago? Would anything have happened? No. No. It would have probably gone in as historical record. And that begs the question, looking back in history, how much of the footage that we have seen to promote various wars and conflicts over the last 30, 40 years, 50 years, how much of it has been faked in the same way that this footage we've just shown you now uh, was faked. Mm. This, is, this is a historical question. We're opening this conversation in the, in the context up decades back. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably a lot more than people realize. Mm. So in the meantime, uh, you've been covering this on, on 21st Century War. Uh, Washington's sum of all fears, Kurdish militants cut a deal with Damascus. Well, this is what people, I believe, are more angry about in the United States, in Western policy circles, uh, U.S. congressmen, senators, British MPs. This is really what they're upset about here, is that the, uh, the, the Kurd Kurdish factions have been forced 
to turn to Damascus, turn to Moscow to negotiate some sort of security pact. Uh, certainly this is something that uh, Kurdish militants had to do mm -hmm. in order to protect themselves because they were being uh, hit very hard by the Turkish military, but also by its uh, various uh, proxy militias that it's using uh, on its front lines, many of whom uh, formerly constituted the Free Syrian Army, who have been laying in wait over the Turkish border and waiting for this opportunity to to raid Syria once again. Uh, but so th this is the sum of all fears of Washington, because th this is what they've invested all of their time and energy and money and military uh, uh, assets over the last few years was to keep Damascus mm -hmm. from having any relations with these Kurdish factions, because once this happens, there's no need for the United States to be there. Then Russia enters the picture. Then Damascus's allies enter the picture in the fight against ISIS and to secure its own borders along the Turkish and Syrian border. So this is the big fear of a united Syria. This is the thing that, that Washington has been trying to avoid. This is why they've been occupying northeastern Syria and allowing Syria, this is the the really important part, Mike, to, to gain access to its oil and gas reserves in this section of the country. Mm -hmm. Because this the oil and gas in Syria has been squatted and occupied by ISIS, who then handed it to the Kurdish SDF forces backed by the United States, keeping it out of the hands of the Syrian government, who've been unable to get affordable fuel, who've been unable to overcome an international embargo that's been strangling it economically because it can't even get its hands on its own energy resources. Mm. So th this is why the United States is upset because this part of the game is now coming to an end. When this area is settled and assets can be deployed also to take care of the Idlib province, mm. which will be maybe the last uh, part of the country that's under terrorist or uh, foreign occupation. So that, I, I encourage people to go to 21st Century Wire. There's a number of good analytical pieces uh, that we've got up here that will explain this in very clear English. Uh, it's a very complex topic and there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, we hope that that will be helpful. Now, what is this leading to? Well, this was the news yesterday, Mike. And again, not a good day for the United States. Russia. Uh, is working with the United States, mm. well, not a good day for the deep state, let's say, yes. but a good, a good day for, for general peace and stability, potentially. The U.S. is working with Russian forces, handing over former U.S. patrolling uh, duties around the city of Manbij, and so they're liaising with the Russians. Can you believe this? So some U.S. special forces have stayed behind while they pull their troops out to help Russia uh, be positioned as a buffer zone between the Turkish military and the Syrian Arab army who are taking up secure positions. And this is an incredible story. And by the way, uh, part of this deal that the Kurds uh, have made with Damascus includes Kurdish uh, factions, the SDF being disbanded, and any remaining militias have to be integrated into the Syrian National Armed Forces the, of the Syrian Arab Republic. Right. So that's the end of the SDF. That's ostensibly the end of the Kurdish state-building project in Syria, Rojava, as it's called. Uh, so that's all kind of onto the side now. It's not uh, on offer at the moment. So this is bad news for those who have attempted to create a Kurdish state within northern Syria that was, by a lot of people's estimations, totally unnatural. 
using an ethnic minority in northeastern Syria to create a new ethno state yeah. was essentially what the United States was planning to do. Whether they were actually serious about going through with it, Mike, I'm wondering now, looking at this this recent news, have they used the Kurds again as they have and, and then dumped them? at an opportune moment, as they have done in the past, will the Kurdish factions ever learn their lesson? But, but that, must, that must be uh, Trump's hand there, because, because the, certainly Bolton would never have allowed that to happen while he was uh, National Security Advisor. And, and this is something that the US deep state has been fighting Trump on since he became elected. Trump has expressed on several occasions a desire to be working closer with Putin. Uh, and and it, now it, he is in the war on terror. Yes, to defeat ISIS. It makes perfect sense So why have we been avoiding this for so many years mm. and here we have the first motions in that direction It's very encouraging, but I'm gonna say it's very dangerous too because there are a lot of uh, There's a lot of chicanery going on behind the scenes Mike that would like to undermine some of these recent events over the last week Yeah, so we shall see but let's let's break this down for the for those who are confused about this issue. Let's take a look here. Now there's double spin going on. The big bone of contention, one of the big bones of contention is that ISIS prisoners have been let loose, mm. okay? Here's the CFR, that's Foreign Policy Magazine, saying Turkish-backed forces are freeing Islamic State prisoners. Uh, and then you have claims by the president uh, claiming that the Kurds have released ISIS prisoners on purpose. And if you look a little closer, this is CNN's fact check. Well, they, they're claiming that, the, the, that President Trump is uh, not telling the truth, Mike. But if you look into their article, <laughs> you read, uh, due to the attack by Kurdish forces on SDF in northern Syria, the Kurdish-led militias had had to remove troops guarding prisons and camps holding ISIS fighters. Mm. So they're admitting that Trump is actually right here. But the Kurds have threatened to do this even before all this started, Mike. Mm. They use this as leverage to gain more U.S. support. So if, if you look at previous Kurdish threats to release ISIS prisoners, I'm going to say that there's no reason why, that, why they should have released these prisoners. Now, I think this really shows the true face of the so-called Syrian democratic forces that the U.S. and the U.K. have been supporting uh, for a very long time now, so some three years now, uh, in their illegal occupation of northeastern Syria. They can't hold territory. They can't keep their ISIS prisoners uh, detained. Uh, you know, so what is this group that we've been propping up? Mm. There was no chance of them ever being sustainable mm. it, without an indefinite occupation, foreign Western occupation, an illegal occupation in northeastern Syria. That is the bottom line right. of this story. So let's look at what the problem is here. This is uh, what we call a tale of two proxies here. First party is Turkey. Turkey has been using a proxy. United States has been using a proxy in Syria. Who is Turkey's proxy right now? Well, they're the FSA, the Free Syrian Army, as they were called. The problem with this group, jihadist in character, formed by terrorists, effectively. And this is formerly U.S.-backed, arguably still U.S.-backed in some ways but formerly U.S.-backed through the Train and Equip program, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars invested in what is effectively a terrorist organization. Now, the U.S. have also been backing another proxy here, which is the SDF, which we mentioned before, the Syrian Democratic Forces. And they're made up of YPG, PKK. The PKK is a proscribed terrorist group 
by the United States, I believe by the UK and the EU as well. This is the Kurdish, Kurdistan Workers' Party, very much linked in too many ways with membership and so forth with the YPG who make up the SDF, the bulk of the SDF. These are effectively, in, according to many people and uh, Ankara and the Turkish authorities as terrorists. Their ranks, Mike, are comprised also of former ISIS fighters. Okay, that's really important. So they're not all Kurdish. There are Arab militias, but there's hundreds, maybe more, maybe a thousand ISIS fighters in the SDF. U.S. backed, absolutely. So this is the tale of two proxies. What you're looking at here is what the media do not want you to focus on. That Erdogan's vanguard forces in his invasion was built by the United States government and with Turkish facilitation. And that the United States' vanguard there, the, the so-called Kurdish defense force, actually has terrorist links and has ISIS members, have been burning villages. Even Amnesty International has accused them of war crimes. Mm. This is the SDF. This is the problem. And look what's happened. Well, it didn't take long, Mike, for the U.S. to start walking back their relationship with the SDF and Kurdish YPG. So apparently, according to the Washington Post, Mike, the Obama administration looked the other way and avoided putting the YPG on a terrorist list because they wanted to use them to create the Syrian Democratic Forces in 2015. Mm. This is coming out now. You can label someone a terrorist or a freedom fighter, but the government, in this case, the United States government backed off labeling this group as terrorist, even though quite clearly they're sharing membership with the PKK. Mm. Okay, why? Because they wanted to build the SDF to give the U.S. an excuse to occupy northeastern Syria. It's all coming out now. Mm. But it's interesting, Mike, because there's some uh, British MPs who were talking about this on social media Recently, here's one. This is Lloyd Russell Moyle. Moyle. Moyle, sorry. <laughs> He's a labor and uh, co-op MP for Kempton and Peacehaven. This is down the Brighton area, yeah. Brighton and Hove area. And this is what he tweeted out yesterday. He says, Turkey illegally invading puts at risk the fight against ISIS, potentially freeing jihadis. We, all, we already covered the real story there. Endangered millions of Kurds and Arabs whilst risking blowback in Turkey and Europe. Stop arms sales and military cooperation to Turkey. Support the SDF. That's a bit too late for that. I think they're being disbanded as we speak. And seek a resolution at the UN for NATO to have a no-fly zone ah. over Turkey. This is the MP from Brighton, okay? So, no-fly zones. Mike, I didn't realize these were still in vogue. In Westminster, NATO no-fly zones. What happened to the last NATO no-fly zone? It resulted in a failed state yes. in Libya, which they're still suffering from today. So an interesting uh, talking point there by the MP. We had a conversation on Twitter, actually, and these are just a few excerpts. And uh, it didn't end there, Mike. Uh, he has said here, uh, I don't know which analysis I was hoping for, but he's saying that to, he goes to regularly visit SDF forces in Syria, into Rojava, as it was formerly called, speaking to their commanders. That's where he gets his information. So this is why his analysis apparently is, is, is superior to others, is because he's on the ground with the SDF. Illegally. 
Well, this is this this is an argument. Yeah, how did he get into the region? Probably over the Iraqi border, or flown in by some military transport from Turkey, or he certainly didn't apply for a visa. Probably from Iraq. Probably from the Iraq side. And here he says the YPG are not designated as a terrorist by the EU and the UK. This is technically correct because they are not. That's arguable. He says I'm a proud supporter of the YPG. So he, he's a proud supporter of these Kurdish militants, Mike. But let me just remind people, if you have any questions about the authenticity of what we're saying, even the BBC themselves, Mike, have reported here, this is November 2017, Ryan Delati and Quentin Somerville uh, filed this report. The Kurdish SDF forces cleared the way in Raqqa for the Islamic State to escape. Okay, thousands of Islamic State fighters and their family members with weapons were, were allowed to escape because of the SDF proxies. Okay, mm -hmm. these are the ones that uh, your MP from, from Brighton, the Labour MP from Brighton is saying he is a proud supporter of. Mm -hmm. They not only have ISIS members in their ranks, they helped facilitate the escape of ISIS fighters from Raqqa right before it was about to be leveled by the US Air Force. So that's very interesting. So what I'm saying, the bottom line here, Mike, is this is an incredibly complex story. There's no doubt about that. But I think if you read between the lines and you read a little bit closer uh, in the reportage, uh, you're going to find uh, there's a lot more questions uh, than answers with regards to the mainstream reporting of this issue right now. And I, again, I encourage people to check out uh, alternative news sources that provide maybe slightly more in-depth analysis on this than you're getting in the mainstream right now.